3: We're here to talk about a very interesting topic today, some some great research done by my friend, Charles and Charlie, how are you doing? I'm doing well. All right, outstanding. Uh, we're going to look at historical team draft scoring, and it extends down to historical player draft scoring or individual pick draft scoring, uh, using a method that I really love. Not only is this method good for draft scoring, I think it has other applications as well, and. Uh, Simple, elegant. I think you're going to love it. But anyway, Charlie, tell us a little bit about yourself. You, anywhere people can talk football online with you?
0: Uh, I am on Twitter. I'm Charlie the Raven on Twitter. I I comment frequently uh, and converse with people. Uh, I've been a long time Ravens fan, a long time Colts fan. My dad h- held free season tickets with the Colts when they were in the all-american conference
3: Wow. what, what when did when you when they to your were first game? The, when they
0: were the silver and green
3: <laughs> when did you go to your first colts game
0: i believe it was 19 well i went to colts night in 1955 okay when
3: uh, buddy young raced the pony i think i've heard of this story but you're actually getting into old-timey stuff that's even older than me which is yeah, unusual. This, it's
0: <laughs> yeah, it's unusual. I, I, I went to the first Oriole, Oriole game, really in I, Baltimore, first... 1954.
3: Wow. All right. Well, great. I we appreciate no. you uh, coming on the show and and giving us some good information here. So, uh, let's let's start it off with the J.J. Point scale in general. We mentioned that as if everybody knows what it is. Uh, off the top, but Jimmy Johnson invented us and and tell us a little bit about it in terms of how it ranks draft picks
0: and how it, uh, ranks draft picks is it it basically assigns a point value to each pick that descends from the first to the last, which could be 220 something through seven rounds currently. And it was, it was actually not invented by Jimmy Johnson. He, He, uh, got a numbers expert and said bring me a list and which he did and which has become basically the official currency that people uh that the teams still use to this day to assign player values in in terms of trades trading draft picks and trading players
3: yeah really you you can predict on draft night what's going to be traded when you hear what a team's giving up, it usually means a trade down to the next pick by the next team. And you can almost always assign what the other value is by looking at the JJ chart and just figuring out what the difference in value of two picks is. So it's it's really served the test of time. A lot of people believe now in flatter valuations. The JJ chart as you see from these first several picks. Uh, number one pick is worth 3000 then $2,600, 2200 1800 so the fourth pick is only worth 60% as much as the first. And a lot of people would tell you that flatter valuations are appropriate these days.
0: Well, the uh the, I guess you could say uh Spielberger Fitz Fitzgerald is mm-hmm. the most common and flatter one. And uh after looking at that quite a bit, uh the one thing that it, it if you took the value of the players, it probably is somewhat flatter, but it ignores the value of undrafted free agents.
3: Okay. I mean that's fair enough that there's that there's a replacement level value there below there's that a last replacement
0: deck. Ve- uh, level value that should be uh subtracted across the line. And also the value of the very top players are are franchise changers. Mm-hmm and so, uh, at this the recognition at the very top values I think are appropriate. If you t- if you take a, the the top two or three guys in any draft, uh, a lot of t- they're franchise difference makers.
3: Well, this is a, a lot of your research is based on this. This next spreadsheet you're going to show us, and this is where a lot of the real genius comes into this. I just want to want to bring that one up here for a second, but. You looked at the last 24 years of of uh, the draft here to come up with these. Can you kind of tell us a little bit about your methodology? Let me see if I can get this a little larger on the screen here.
0: Well, this uh, uh, genius is kind of a really good term to for stumbling over something. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I started out this as a test. Is I've heard so many uh, statements that the Ravens are a good drafting team. And like a lot of things that we hear today, is you hear a lot of statements with no evidence to support it. So I said, okay, let's do some kind of a test, a test of this. So I, I started with the idea of the currency is is JJ points. So we'll talk about the JJ points you get to spend at the draft, and then the JJ points value of the players that you end up spending your points for and so i started this and and i kind of started like okay let's do something to compare it i'm going to do this the ravens against the stinking steelers
2: Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Uh, through the through this the history of the ravens now for in both of the cases of the steelers versus the Ravens in this time period it's not relevant to most teams over 24 years but these are two teams that basically have the same leadership in place over that entire time so really talking about the the legacy of of both of the franchises so it was like a back and forth in everything and it started to to it wasn't it didn't take long before you realize that the team with the first pick can never win Mm -hmm. is like the best you can get is zero.
3: Okay. So let let me, let me kind of backtrack a little bit on that statement there. So what you're saying is there's a 3000 JJ point value associated with that first pick, as we saw in the previous slide. Yeah. The best you can do is realize that entire 3000 points of JJ value. If you re ranked the draft for the players yeah. And you saw that you drafted Peyton Manning number one, and he happened to be the best player in the 1998 draft. And then you would say you broke even on that pick because you did exactly what you're supposed right. to do. Okay. And
0: you're talking about your, the value of what you got out of the pick, what you netted out of the pick is is the value of the player minus what it cost you. And that's about how we're going to keep score. So we have to make this there had to be an adjustment made,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and okay, so the, the, the kind of the way that you do it is that you go back. Well, what was the actual performance of all the other teams and all the other drafts over this time period? And then you average that up, and it's not only do you get an adjusted number, but when you add up all of those adjusted numbers, you still come up with the sixty thousand. Uh, points to start out with, so you 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 have sixty thousand points that all the teams get. Then you have a total of expected of sixty thousand points, and then you have a total earned of sixty thousand points. So everything zeros out nicely.
3: Okay, so let's let's talk about this maybe uh, cross-sectionally, looking at the number one pick by itself, because people can understand that it's worth in theory it's worth three thousand JJ points right and so but you can't expect that the 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 team with the first pick always to get the best player they'll sometimes get the best player and it's happened i think you said four times over the 24-year period correct right okay so it happened with let's just go through it with manning in 98 in 2009 with stafford correct 2009 with stafford 2011 cam newton Still hard, hard to believe he's the best player in that draft when you've got J.J. Watt in there. But uh, and then in 2019 with Kyler Murray, those are the four times it's occurred. Correct. And you went only through 2019 because there's not enough historical performance data yet for 20 and 21 drafts?
0: Correct. But I have to really evaluate uh, any players in the draft and everything, it, it would really require three years because a lot of rookies are not key, key uh, major contributors to teams okay. when I, when i looked at the the components of of contribution to a team's performance and everything undrafted free agents are almost double the contribution of rookies in any season which i found kind of surprising but in the first it, season in a rookie's first season the contribution of the rookies is less than that of players that that were undrafted,
3: uh, of all tenures, or those also of all tenures. Under- okay, okay that that makes sense. And I even
0: um, put that to the, the test of 2018, the the historic year draft year of the Ravens. The contribution of the of the undrafted players in that team was almost double that of the, of that fabulous rookie class.
3: I'd have to go through and really understand that that was true. I mean, obviously I get the players like Patrick Ricard and Michael Pierce were still around. I'm trying to think of who else was really contributing at Picari, a hmm Peanut. Okay. Those are good ones. Uh,
0: there's There's a lot of the guys there that I have that on a spreadsheet somewhere, but
3: that's all right. We will. I want to. I want to stay focused on this if we can here. Yep. So okay. we're, we're looking at the 24 players then that have been drafted number one between 96 and 2019, and what you determined was that if you re-ranked where all of those players were, and then assigned that JJ point value to the pick. So, for example, in 1996, the very first overall pick was Keyshawn Johnson. He ended up actually being, I think, about the twelfth best player in that draft. Is that correct? I, I think so, something like so, that. So the twelfth, the twelfth pick overall is worth twelve hundred points. And so what you've done in the nineteen ninety six, this upper left entry is said that pick was worth twelve hundred in terms of mm-hmm. JJ points. So that's that's how it actually ended up on a re-ranked basis. Then the right. next year, nineteen ninety seven, don't know who the player was, but he was the third best in the entire draft. So I'm not sure right. who, that, who that was, but it's somebody pretty good. And then Manning in 1998 was the best. Then somebody in 1999 and another player in 2000, neither of them were particularly good. Right. So, so you go through this and then you 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 come to the right over here and you got the average of the 24 period, years was 1,654 points.
0: Right. And so when now, I started this, I had no idea what the number was going to be, whether it was – going to be 2000 2500 or what so yeah 1654
3: yeah you knew between 0 and 3000 i guess but <laughs> other than that it's a it's a, yeah. a difficult one to guess exactly 1654 actually seems very high to me so if you look at the original jj chart the number 5 overall pick is worth 1700 jj points and the number 6 overall pick is worth um 1600 so it's it's if if you're picking number one you you get approximately the fifth or sixth best player in the entire draft on average. Yes, all right, all right outstanding okay, so this is this is very cool. Now, what I like about this, what's really interesting is if you look at picks two down to pick whatever this one is, and this is not the perfect size for this, but down to about pick number twelve or thirteen. Um, which is nine twenty three. There's a very uneven. I'll, I'll, I'll grab the range there, um, but fairly level value of all those all those average selections.
0: Yeah, and there's very if if you look from top to bottom, there's very few of them that are a thousand or even a thousand or above. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so so very that- ra- very random, especially considering that it's twenty five years we're talking about. Yeah, you would, you would think, think you'd see more leveling of it in 25 years.
3: Yeah, I, I would tell you from a data background that that's probably not enough to get that kind of leveling, but you got to do something and 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 what I would what I would probably do if I were reworking this was would be to smooth those values even though they um you know, you use the historical values, and that's perfectly fine. It's it it illustrates great points as you go through this. But the fact that the number four pick is the second most valuable in the pick in the draft, and the number eleven pick is the third most valuable, is probably not a good representation that you would say you would make. I mean, this this one honestly would say you'd be be better off trading number two to get number eleven for a small additional amount of incremental value. But that's well, not. We know that's not the case.
0: Well, I, I don't. I think we're looking. We're. I'm looking at this in terms of uh, what 250 draft picks a year for 25 years. Mm -hmm. I'm not really concerned about the injustices of each each one.
3: Sure. Well, that's that's fair enough, and we appreciate it. And and it's it's certainly it's your system to do that. The question is just you know then how do you evaluate uh somebody who who makes a good number 3 pick versus somebody who makes a number 3 pick who's a number 4 pick who's every bit as good but it doesn't quite work out but anyway the system is excellent and what this does is then this sets you up with an expectation for each pick in in, in this right hand column as you go down so if we wanted to know what where where's a ravens draft pick that they would have had for Mark Andrews or somebody, which would have been the, I think Mark Andrews might've been the 83rd pick and Orlando Brown, the 85th or might've been the yeah. other way around. But if you, if you look at that pick down in this column, you'd say the Ravens should have gotten um, a redrafted value of about 295, which would have put him, I think somewhere towards the end of the second round would be my guess. Okay. All right, so I'd have to actually look back to your previous spreadsheet to see if that's true to 295 looks like yeah, between the 60th and 61st pick in terms of value. So mm-hmm. that's that would be one where um uh the Ravens would have done very well I think on a on a uh, uh on the on the on what they've gotten from Andrews so far and I'm sure we'll see that at some point during this. I think
0: uh, Andrews is like
3: 13th. Wow, okay. Uh, so anyway, you you, see, you've got these set of expected, um, uh, historical values, the, the, the re-ranked expected values, and then you can use that to do all kinds of cool things. And I thought, you know, what you showed me that was initially excellent was doing like one year and really showing pick by pick how teams did. And that 1996 draft is a very fun one for Ravens fans, of course, to look at, uh, kind of take us through this first round here or any round you'd like in terms of, of the 1996
0: draft. Okay. Uh, Going down the 19th, of course, the 1996 draft, the best player in the 1996 draft was Ray Lewis. Yep. And uh, Ray Lewis was a franchise changer, has been a franchise changer. So you can see a big green light on Ray Lewis, but you also look at the the top guys and everything you see Marvin
3: Harrison. Okay, so I'll go to I'll go to just round one. Okay, only, should I just go down in, and
0: you want to go down in order?
3: I kind of want to oh, go in there. that order. I want to go in order of the picks initially, if you don't, okay. don't mind. So it's just the indication is that the, the Jets had the number one overall pick. They took Keyshawn Johnson. He was a fairly consensus number one pick, despite being a wide receiver, which is you know yeah. can be unusual. Um, and they got the twelfth best player in the draft, which really doesn't seem like it's it's bad, but they had a, a pretty big loss in terms of expected points. And just going through this again, the JJ point value of the return what his actual re ranked value was was a 12th player worth about 1200 points but because he was the first pick on your expected point scale he should they should have gotten 1654 back that's correct yeah. and so they lost 454 in terms of is there kind of their draft score for that pick
0: that's correct the score for the pick all right not the let's... score for the player Ke- Keyshawn johnson was a Really good player,
3: very good player. So So this,
0: we're not rating the player in 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 as far as our net. We're really the 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 score for your pick. What did you get for your money?
3: All right, outstanding. Then you've got Kevin Hardy of Jacksonville, number two, also a pretty good player. Was was would have been the uh, sorry re-ranked. He was the twenty-seventh best by career AV. Um, but not what you want in the number two overall pick and and a a negative 312 score on that. Correct. And then, okay. A lot of people thought Arizona would draft Jonathan Ogden with the number three pick. They didn't. They drafted Simeon Rice instead. Now, this is where you get kind of a funny thing about the expected scale here, is that the Simeon Rice pick, gets a slightly higher score than the Jonathan Ogden pick at number four. Now, re-ranked on that basis, Ogden was a sixth best player in the draft, and Simeon Rice only the ninth. But because the expected scores have worked out how they have over the last 24 years, uh, you get a slight difference there that that makes Rice a slightly higher scored draft pick than Jonathan Ogden. Yes. Okay. So just going strictly with historical data, and that's cool. Then you have... Cedric Jones, we do not even talk to, talk about him. I don't even know if I know enough about his career to talk about him. But Lawrence Phillips is one of the worst draft picks of all time. And obviously crisscrossed with the Ravens in terms of, of Modell's history and desire to draft him and the five-hour dinner they had together.
0: Uh, he must have had a good dinner.
3: <laughs> so I was just going to say, you know, I, I can't – recall ever being on a date that lasted for five hours where it wasn't i wasn't trying to make it go somewhere so it's just it it, very strange that this dinner uh it took as long as it did but obviously modell liked him uh and ozzy did not or at least he didn't like him as much as he liked jonathan ogden uh they talked about some other players they might have drafted in 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 that uh in that draft but lawrence phillips one of the worst draft picks of all time uh was taken number six by st Louis.
0: I think I got the first uh, autograph from Jonathan Ogden. I I spotted him at the airport coming in for the rookie camp. Oh, that's pretty good. I said, I said "Can this be Jonathan Ogden?" Can and of course, I you couldn't be sure he was he was wearing uh, like you know Bermudas and a T-shirt and everything. So when I I didn't want to call a lot of attention, so I I crept up to him. <laughs> and then when I was right next to him, obviously this giant guy and everything, I was—he was, was the right guy.
3: All right, outstanding. So you get it? You didn't have a ball with you to get signed, right? You just no, you I had just... a
0: little scrap of paper, and uh, he signed his name, Jonathan Ogden, Ravens.
3: All right, very good. So he didn't even know his number at that point that he was going to have, because normally football players put their number no, hadn't, on. Yeah. Hadn't shown up yet. That's very cool. Very cool. Uh, there, there's actually a couple more players on here who have a Ravens, uh, background. So Ricky Dudley drafted, uh, number nine overall, uh, the pick didn't work out. Ricky Dudley and Ray Lewis have an interaction from the very first game. Ricky Dudley had the ball between his legs in the end zone, but did not, was not ruled to have control of it. And and Ray Lewis snatched it out from there for his first career interception, (laughs) one defensive player of the week. And uh for the AFC and then moved on, of course, to to great things from there. But Ricky Dudley uh played in the league for a few years, wasn't an absolutely terrible player, but but certainly was not what you want out of the number nine pick.
0: Okay, and I get we we all remember Willie Anderson.
3: Willie Anderson, another great Gave one. Gave us some and, good
0: service. Gave us some good service.
3: Yeah, uh, two thousand eight season, he he really did a good job for the Ravens and and uh he ended up being the seventh most Valuable player in terms of career AV on this list, so he's right behind Ogden. Uh, You mentioned in our in our production meeting, Ogden lost some years at the end of his career that that hurt his career AV. Yes,
0: but we can look at the the people that are above him on the list. They're all really good players. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it's nothing to be ashamed about, certainly. But there are some players who don't belong there. Ray Lewis does. Zach Thomas is one that bothers me, uh, being I, can, being, I uh, could understand that, yeah. <laughs> and Brian Dawkins, uh, he had a long and very productive career, so I, d- I guess they don't have a problem with him and Ogden being five and six. Terrell Owens is is number three, actually, from this draft, and, and one of the really great picks in the draft overall with a score of almost uh, 1,900, it looks like there. So... Want to change the narrative a little bit and just look at the first round here because it's a little easier to see it. And now mm-hmm. instead we've re-ranked the players by score. Uh, just to just the order the who were the best picks for um the the re-ranked value versus the expected re-ranked value. And uh uh, you know, it's Lewis, Harrison, Anderson, rice Ogden, one, two, three, four, five. Uh, are what you'd expect. And then you have some some guys after that who maybe you wouldn't expect. Jeff Hardings?
0: Well, uh, you can accumulate uh, AV by being a long-time starter for a good team.
3: Yeah, that's particularly true of the offensive line. If you're a long-term, long-term starter with a good quarterback – uh You do very well in offensive line career AV because it's automatically a, signed out.
0: And that's a uh, uh the Green Bay Packers are a good example of that. Who drafted in the mid rounds, they drafted uh, uh, Lynn Linsley. They actually dra- drafted Trotter, I think, as a center who's been a long time stalwart in everything. And they, they've they they accumulate a lot of their points in the. uh in the middle
3: rounds that's very interesting based on what we're going to see in a couple of slides here charlie but that's very interesting that you make that point that they had their method of accumulating value they they had some other great picks i mean aaron Rodgers, fantastic pick but but that's uh interesting that that it a lot of it comes from offensive line people so we just go through this first round here. And okay. you, you, you start at the top, people. It goes down to Lawrence Phillips, who is the worst. Actually, Alex Molden was terrible. Um, you know, Drafted number 11 overall, never really did anything. And 11 is one of the valuable picks. So Cedric Jones and, and Molden are actually close to Phillips in terms of being at the bottom of this draft in terms of of value relative to uh, expected. Yeah,
0: and I think the moral of this story, if, if you want to score well as a team in the draft, don't blow it in the first round.
3: There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one because yeah, it's a, it's a high leverage pick is the way to think of it. So you can you can lose hundreds, and if you go down the rest of the draft in nineteen ninety six, you'll see as you go into the later rounds, like as you go into say the fourth round, the gamble becomes much less. It starts at number ninety eight here. Uh, now there was a big win. Donnie Edwards is a big win with plus nine ninety two, but the biggest loss in the round looks to be two hundred and sixty four points. For anybody drafted in round four, so it's just not the same side of gamble, uh, not the same uh, leverage on that gamble that that you have in the first round. Exactly. All right, outstanding stuff, really outstanding stuff. So uh, we've looked at the nineteen ninety six draft, and now um, I think that that we want to look at the all time draft. Is that what's next? Sure. That, meaning the team, the team uh, things. So. Tell us what you did with this sheet. This is each team, their statistics over these entire 24 years, correct? From from 96 to 2019.
0: Correct. Tell us a little. Go ahead. uh, First column is all the JJ points that uh, your team had in those 25 years added up. Simple.
3: Okay, so let's look. So the Ravens had
0: 42,227 JJ points. And down here is the the very bottom is the average JJ
3: points each team has per year, per year. Okay, so if I grab my calculator for a second and I multiply 1915, I could actually do this in a spreadsheet. I would get 45,960 is the average amount of JJ capital by team, and so the Ravens are actually about three thousand below that. they did not have you know a really they did have high jJ value in the early years, but they haven't had it since when they've been drafting towards the end of the first round prior. exactly
0: yeah, and you can see like the Steelers had the least uh, jJ points mm-hmm. going into the draft of all the teams okay over the twenty five years
3: all right, outstanding and then. That JJ Draft capital, as we discussed a lot on that second slide, is not enough. So you had to you had to kind of uh, re-transform that, that into this expected re-ranked JJ.
0: That's it, exa- exactly the same thing is uh, for the draft picks that you had, what was the expected, what, what was the league performance for those draft picks?
3: All right, outstanding. So this is a 24-year performance of each of the picks summed up for each team and teams that tend to have a little, have low value will go up in this area. Teams that have higher value will go down in this area. So you notice the Ravens go up by about 3000. The, the Steelers and Packers each take a significant jump right. on, on the re-rank basis because they're drafting towards the end of the first round a lot. And then a team like the Browns goes way down. Because right. they have a lot of, they have several three thousand picks on JJ that are really only sixteen fifty fours in this column.
0: Right, exactly.
3: All right, and then we go over to column D and we get the actual re ranked and. Oh no! That is- uh,
0: this is the the, the that's the ex- actual value of the players that you got.
3: Okay, so those are. You re-ranked all of these 24 drafts, you gave the JJ value of that new ranking, and and you placed it in for each one of these players. So the Ravens, with their, with their sum of the picks, got 60,000 worth of re-ranked JJ points, 60,751.
0: Right, their player, the, the value of their players in JJ points over this time period was 60,751.
3: All right. And there's really nobody too close to that, is there? The Packers at 50, a little under 59,000. And all these other teams, nobody's, I mean, you get down to the bottom of the list, nobody's even at 50,000. Uh, so the Ravens really stand ahead in terms of just the total value of players extracted from the draft, not not before you even consider relative to expected.
0: That's true. Even before you consider expectations, even though the, the Ravens have less than average draft capital to walk in with, they ended up with the most in-player values over this time period.
3: Okay. All right. Outstanding. And then we have the the aggregate score, and this is for every draft pick totaled in Ravens history. And you sent me another spreadsheet that I really want to discuss with you in a separate pod of all the Ravens draft picks one by one scored by this methodology. And right. uh, that's that's very interesting. It's I, I think we'd spend an hour going through that, Charlie. So I'd rather not do it on the on this particular call. But uh I I, I love this method. I think it's got so many other uses. What what did you what did you take from it in terms of these scores? It, you you were originally looking at the Ravens versus the Steelers. The Steelers certainly one of the the Ravens big draft competitors.
0: Uh of what did I take from it? looking at it a little more closely. Uh, one thing there's uh, it's probably a little closer than it appears between the Ravens and the Steelers. Uh, there is a bias to in, in value of picking a franchise quarterback. And uh, during this time period, the Steelers only had one. They only drafted one franchise quarterback in Van Roethlisberger, which, if you pick the right one, you're going to get some points because your franchise quarterback is going to be in the top two or three guys in that draft. The Ravens actually had two and a half. They drafted for three. <laughs> 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 we don't want to talk we yeah, won't, yeah well, they lost they lost a lot on Kyle, Kyle bowler but they actually they got Flacco and they got Lamar mm-hmm. and if you if you if it wasn't for the 2018 draft of course that was a game changer the 2018 draft was the second best draft in terms of net of any team in the 25 year
3: period very interesting. Definitely want to hit on that on the next show. So second best of any team. What was the best?
0: Want to take a guess?
3: Um, it, it, did the Steelers get both Roethlisberger and Palavalo in the same year? No, they were consecutive no. years. Um, Aaron Rodgers, Packers draft, maybe? No. Okay. Uh,
0: Seattle Seahawks, 2012. They drafted hmm. Wilson and Wagner in the second and third rounds. Who were the top two players in that draft?
3: Wow. Okay, so they got
0: fifty-six hundred points out of those two players.
3: You'd have to really mess it up otherwise. So the ra- the, the Ravens' total aggregate score for the ninety-six draft was how much? Or for the, I'm sorry, for the eighteen draft was how much?
0: Uh, f- in in terms of net.
3: About forty five hundred. Forty five hundred. So you mentioned that they got fifty six hundred from two players, and they only had nineteen hundred overall. Actually, I don't know that they might have had. They had nineteen hundred. On, nineteen hundred is what an average team has. Nineteen fifteen. But the Packers, sorry, the Seahawks might have had less than that, or they might have had more. The,
0: the Seahawks' uh, net was forty five hundred too. It's just a little. It was in the four thousands, just a little more than the Ravens. All right. The Ravens had four players who were who were within the top 32
3: that is very impressive for one draft very very
0: it was very impressive for uh, when two players in the top 32 is a great draft for any team
3: so the others were andrews brown um lamar and who am i forgetting not hayden hurst so who's who's the other guy that I'm forgetting about? Bozeman. Okay, Bozeman in the top 32. Wow, that's great.
0: Uh, he, a starting lineup, a starting lineup on the steamroller teams from day one, not day one in his rookie year, but he took over a starting role early in his in his rookie year. Very, very so he was 30, 31. But uh easy to overlook that one.
3: Okay. All right, outstanding. Uh, Charlie's great stuff. and and like I said, I thought this would this would just be a really cool way to look at a number of other things uh, that are really ex- expectation based, like like what's your probability of winning a championship if you get into the playoffs based on maybe your seeding or or and you could look back historically and see, well, if the number one seed has won uh, has won the championship twenty five percent of the time and the number six seed has won at 8% of the time or something, then you can, you can look through and, and calculate expected championships based on your seeding and seeing if you're, if you're making that. This is a
0: leg, this is a legacy exercise. So you, for, in terms of winning Super Bowls and everything, I think you're talking about four or five years of a draft. and And I think you're you're, you know, you're very right. Is it when you hit on the draft for like two or three years in a row, you're going to catapult. And, I mean, a good example is of the, is the Seahawks. Because they hit like they hit on Earl uh, Thomas mm-hmm. and Cam. Uh, yeah, Chancellor. Yeah, Cam chats. Bam. Then the next year they hit on Sherman, and then, then the next year they hit on Wilson and Wagner. Bam, 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 and they catapulted based on that. You know, like this. This can't. It's good to have a solid base of players, but you need stars. And one of the things that you t- you take away when you look at the composition of this is the Ravens. Uh, feasted on their fifteen thousand points comes from their stars, mm-hmm. which is kind of ironic when when Ozzie said, uh, "I'm just looking for doubles." <laughs> you know, they- you know when you when you looked at at the at the Ravens going down, it, it maybe it's easy to take it for granted, but it's like Ray Lewis, Bam, Jonathan Ogden, then. And then they come down to Ed Reed. Then they hit on uh, Suggs. They actually they stumbled into Suggs. Remember, they were trying to take the quarterback. And they end of Haloti was one of the best in his time frame. Was probably the best in, inside defensive tackle. And then you get uh, you, you hit on uh, Flacco and Rice in the same. And Rice is a good example of somebody who was a great player during a three or four time, you time frame.
3: Right. I, I want to go back to 2003 for a second, because the Suggs pick is a, is an interesting one. He ended up being the very best player in that draft. Yes. And the Ravens did just luck into him. But doesn't mean that Carolina, with the pick previous, really messed up. They, they took Jordan Gross uh, at number eight. And. Who got taken? It's Leftwich who got taken at number seven, right? Even Byron Leftwich ended up being not that terrible a player. Uh and then right. Williams, Williams got taken behind him by the Vikings who waited to pick. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, very, very interesting thing. But they happen to luck into the very best of luck into. They happened to to uh be very fortunate the phone did not get answered and they drafted Leftwich. But then they did go down a little further. And if if eleven is ten, and I got to go down to twenty-one, right? So it'd be twenty-two, and they didn't get a very good player in Kyle Bowler down here for for the draft capital they expended. I'm not sure if that's the correct one, or if this might even be the correct one below it, but it's one of these two, and it's not very good.
0: Well, another part of the the Bowler night, nightmare is the next year we didn't take Aaron Rodgers because we just took Ty, Kyle Bowler. <laughs>
3: That was if that we was two years Powell later.
0: Baller, we would been looking for a quarterback, and and Rogers would have dropped to us.
3: Yeah, or maybe maybe we should have known by two thousand five anyway. Uh, two thousand five. That's that's Rogers' pick right there at at number twenty four. Still waiting in that green room with those forlorn <laughs> look on his face. Actually, I guess they this was by that point that night they had already brought him up to Goodell's private suite because they were just feeling yeah. so, so sorry for him. <laughs> oh boy. It's good they learned from that experience. Now they have you know, players from multiple rounds that sit in that green room. So, so all the first round picks are basically protected from being.
0: Uh... Well, well, Lamar Jackson waited too.
3: Yeah. All right, Charlie, outstanding stuff. Uh, let's tell folks again where they can talk football with you online. I'm uh, Charlie the Raven and I'm at, Charles Van, at Charlie Vanneman. All right, now you you have your good old time Colts questions. You want make sure you direct them to Charlie here. He's uh, uh, very knowledgeable, obviously, and I'm sure he can tell you all about Don Shinnick's career and uh, Jackie Simpson, the defensive back for the for the '58 team, and all kinds of players if you wanted to. So,
0: were you uh, were you there at Unidas's last game?
3: '72. No, I wasn't. I listened to it on the radio, and I I remember how special it was. And then I've I've heard, of course, the Marty Domrays. Uh, interview, which is the most moving thing I've ever did, heard.
0: Oh, uh, I didn't hear that Marty Dom, Domry's interview. Well,
3: the the In Mar- Marty Domry's, he approaches it with a degree of humor, but it, uh, the 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 Colts were playing the Buffalo Bills in December of 1972. And Unitas threw his last touchdown pass at home. It was a little five-yard flat pass to Roy Hinton, who avoided all sorts of traffic and ran for 63 yards and the way Dom Reyes describes that in itself is entertaining. But he said, you know, I was injured so United can go in the game. And that was the highlight of my career. <laughs> <laughs> so said, I, I thought he'd be a great guest. So I tried to track him down. He's an investment guy out in, uh, I think, California some someplace now. But uh, he, he does not cling to his football lineage at all. And, and yet he has a special place in, in Colts fans' heart.
0: Well, I, I was sitting in the first row of the upper deck, and right before the game, they passed out these pamphlets or little they, a sheet of paper that says a plane's going to fly over and it's going to be hauling a sign that says "Unite as we stand." And when you see that, stand up and like motion for people behind you to stand up. And I felt like awkward that I would have to be am I going to I'm going to motion and nobody I'm going to be the only person that stands. And when uh, the plane comes over, everybody is, you know, stands up as this big, huge wave and starts screaming. And there was the, the girl in front
2: of me. There was people that were crying. It was that emotional. You're muted. I can't hear you. That
3: happens about once per show. That oh, I, okay? Yeah, I do something stupid like that. But he, but you know, a lot of Colts fans who were children in the 1970s, and I really grew up in the Burt Jones era uh, as a football fan. But I do remember listening to that game. Uh, the the uh, oh, the point I was going to make was yes. Remember Johnny Unitas as being on the superstars competition. All right. And <laughs> you, Unitas at, on the superstars competition competing with players like Kyle Rote or OJ Simpson in a, in a series of athletic events is ridiculous. But, but Unitas did as a, you know, 38 year old man or whatever it was at the time, or maybe even older than that, he did manage to win the ping pong. He's a very good ping pong player. Oh, and, and so he had that. And, uh, but it was otherwise completely unfair. And I, that it's, it's been, Mocked a little bit over the years, but Joe Frazier had just been knocked down six times by um, uh, George Foreman, who won the heavyweight title from him in, in, uh, in Jamaica. And he came on the superstars literally like a month after that and he almost drowned in a swimming event. It's like you you, you, how you how do you put him in a swimming event? How did he decide? Cuz you only had to pick 7 of the 10 events you're going to participate in. And and then he literally he he finished the, the 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 lap of the pool walking on the bottom of the pool. <laughs> some some funny stuff from that show. I used to love that.
0: Yeah, that was uh, memorable. Uh and I was not a believer in Johnny Unitas. It's like we had our athletic quarterback. If I don't know if you're, we had George Shaw, yeah. and George Shaw was like the first guy I picked in the draft or the that year and everything. Like, and he and he broke his ankle or, or in the second year. He was he was our franchise, and this guy who can't run, who's wearing high top shoes and everything, he looked like a cripple from, you know, and he was going to be our quarterback. I couldn't believe that and i i believe i've got to go to his first game. i got to go to in in that time frame i got to go to one game a year my dad would let me go to one game a year
2: mm-hmm.
0: otherwise that was his date night with mom there you go that's a good and, family i can i can relate yeah uh my my uh my mom was was a saint, except when it came to football. And and a famous event, uh, we had a defensive end named Dom Joyce, Mm -hmm. who was kind of a thug. Well, there was a play where he he ripped off Les Richter's helmet and hit him over the head with it. And my my mother said, he got what he deserved.
3: So she'd have been a fan of Kyle Turley in modern times and, and uh, his goings on. Yeah, Charlie outstanding to have you on the show. Really appreciate it. Uh, Other folks out there, I want to remind you, if you want to do a film study short, still some time before the regular season and I can fit you in, I can even fit you in during the season. I I plan to do shorts on Saturday. Uh, Give me a a DM on Twitter. They're always open. I'm glad to hear from you. And that's how I met Charlie here in this, this outstanding research. Charlie, I hope we can bring you back for one more show to talk about the Ravens draft picks only uh, throughout the years, because I think that's an interesting show in its own. And some, some very interesting kind of things show up about players who maybe had a lot of value for the Ravens, then left the Ravens. It didn't have much value, or the other way around. Okay.
0: All right. Enjoyed it a lot.
3: And we'll Th- talk to you next Thanks for having time. me. We'll talk to you next time yep. on Film Study.